0: Ohio businesses and farms sell a lot of product to foreign countries. Some 55% of our state's exports go to Canada and Mexico, who happen to be our partners in the North American Free Trade Agreement, best known as NAFTA. With that as a backdrop, you can understand why Ohio's business and farm communities are more than a little bit concerned when President Trump says he may want to back away from that trade deal. Why NAFTA is important to all Ohioans today on town hall ohio this is town hall ohio home to interesting people engaging issues and enlightening stories town hall ohio is a production of the ohio farm bureau federation working to forge a partnership between farmers and consumers and is supported by nationwide nationwide is on your side now here's town hall ohio host joe Corneli. The North American Trade Agreement was implemented in 1994 and since then a lot of businesses and agricultural interests have seen tremendous growth in the sales of products and services to Mexico and Canada. Many but not all. President Trump during his campaign called NAFTA the worst trade deal ever and he pledged to make some major changes. However, many of the interests who would be hurt by NAFTA if it's shaken up are the same interests who helped put him into office. So as the U.S. and its trading partners are working through changes to NAFTA, they are not only talking economics, but are also subject to the politics. Today's show, I'll tell you, is not a debate over NAFTA, but it is a discussion of why it is so important and what's being done to assure that any trade negotiations do no harm. Helping us tell that story today, Keith Lake is Vice President of Government Affairs with the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. Dr. Ian Sheldon is Professor and Anderson's Chair of Agricultural Marketing, Trade, and Policy at The Ohio State University. And Tad Nicholson is the Executive Director of the Ohio Corn and Wheat Growers Association. Gentlemen, welcome to the show. And and, uh, Keith, since you're our only rookie here today, we'll we'll start with you. Just a little background on the Chamber of Commerce and, and why you're interested in trade matters.
1: Well, thank you, Joe. Yes, the Ohio Chamber of Commerce, we are a statewide business advocacy organization representing employers across the, uh, the state of Ohio. Um, we're very concerned about the comments that President Trump has made about NAFTA, and, uh, and that's large measure because international trade in general is critically important to the Ohio economy and to many Ohio employers.
0: Chad, the, uh, I guess the nutshell of what the Ohio Corn and Wheat Association does and, and your interest in trade...
2: Well, thanks, Joe. And, uh, you know, as the name implies, we represent corn and wheat farmers, uh, grain farmers around the state in in public policy advocacy, uh, partnering a lot with uh, organizations like Farm Bureau, Ohio Soybean, a lot of other commodity organizations. We work as a team a lot of times, and uh, this would be one of those issues where we tend to agree.
0: The um, Ohio State University has a plethora of economists. The College of Agriculture, Food, Agricultural, and Environmental Sciences has a bunch of economists but Ian your specialty one of your specialty is in the in the trade area so that must back up what Keith and Tad just told us trades important in the Buckeye state
3: absolutely uh, I've been studying international trade now for the pretty much all 34 years of my academic career uh, started out in in Britain studying uh, the European Union for my sins and then came to the US and of course NAFTA was signed and uh, Spent the last couple of years thinking quite a bit about not just NAFTA but the the Trans-Pacific Partnership and other free trade agreements. So I think it's a uh, it's a good time to be a trade economist, even if uh, I don't necessarily like what the possible outcomes might be uh, politically.
0: So, so you're from Britain. I thought from your accent you were like you know Pataskala maybe native from yeah. there. <laughs>
3: If you listen to my kids, you might think they're from Pataskala, but Ah. no, 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 I'm from Brighton, originally in the south of England.
0: So, before we get to some of the specifics of the NAFTA agreement, what it says, what the debate is currently, get us started down the path of just the importance of trade. Uh, How important is it to Ohio, to America, uh, that we do business globally and not just with Indiana, Michigan, West Virginia, and Kentucky?
3: Well, we, you know, we live in a global economy and uh, in the post-war period, uh, you know, there's a very strong connection between uh, the rate at which international trade has grown and uh, it's very, very strongly correlated with uh, the growth of global GDP. So, you know, globalization is sort of this virtuous circle between international trade, improved productivity and competition and, and economic growth. Um, necessarily, the U.S. economy is is one of the most integrated economies in in the world economy. And Ohio clearly is is part of that. And, um, you know, the North American Free Trade Agreement has resulted in this exceptionally integrated uh, market here in North America.
0: Keith, how about uh, from the business perspective, uh, give us a picture of if... You know, maybe some specific company names or types of industries that are trade reliant that uh, employ a lot of Ohioans.
1: Well, Joe, there there are about three hundred thousand uh, trade dependent jobs uh, in Ohio uh, that are dependent on trade with Canada alone, um, and about two hundred thousand that depend on trade with Mexico. So this is this is serious business for the state of Ohio. Uh, there are, a, I mean, the companies that are among the top exporting. Companies in Ohio are, are names that everyone would be familiar with that's listening to this program. Uh, Whirlpool, Honda, General Electric, uh, Procter & Gamble, uh, Smuckers, Pepperidge Farms, just to name a few. I mean, these are, these are companies that do a lot of exporting. And so when we uh, uh, look at the possibility of some disruption uh, with our, trading, our major trading partners, uh, that's the type of concern that we have.
0: So, Tad, when Grandpa was farming... Uh, soybeans were hay crop back then, by the way, and uh, he raised corn and, and fed it to the cattle. Um, the marketplace for the Ohio farmers changed just a little bit.
2: Joe, I'm just going to tell you flat out that exports is the most important market for a grain farmer today in, in Ohio. And that's difficult for a lot of people to understand that, that uh, even a lot of farmers don't really fully realize it because once the grain leaves our farm, you know, we don't get to follow it all the way to Japan or all the way to Mexico and and uh, and so the understanding that this is the biggest driver right now of profitability uh, for a, a farmer right here in rural Ohio is is tough to understand. But uh, get this though, I mean half of our wheat leaves the country. All half of all the wheat in the, in the in the country leaves our country somewhere else. Half of our soybeans, over half of our soybeans now leaves our our country uh, somewhere else. Over twenty five percent of our corn. So if you're looking at you know this corn out here, understand it, you know. Every fourth row is going to go somewhere outside the United States. And that, is, that, that, should be, that should speak to the importance of this. And that's different from the past 10 years, let's say. You know, it was all about domestic uh, you know, production, especially in the corn area. It was all about ethanol and this new market that was being developed. And the drivers were all domestic. Now, that's flattened off. And all the biggest drivers that are going to increase demand are outside the United States.
0: Ian, one of the the challenges uh, that we're talking about, and again, we'll get back specifically to NAFTA, but in dealing with uh, trading with virtually any nation, I don't know if it'd be easier or better, but it seems like it if Company A reached across the border and did business with Company B, if they were both satisfied, the deal would be done and the trade would take place. But government seems to have its fingers at every level of, of international business.
3: Yeah, that's absolutely correct. I mean, if you if you were to open an undergraduate textbook on international trade, the uh, the argument would be unambiguously uh, free trade is a good thing, and if politicians followed the advice of economists, uh, we wouldn't be sitting here in the studio. That's absolutely correct. But um, you know, the political economy of trade is that um, governments, both here in the U.S. and elsewhere in North America, but also you know in Europe and in developing countries. Um, you know, they're seeking re-election and often they, they, they may choose to stand on a platform that either leads to not reducing tariffs or to protecting domestic markets. And, and clearly I come from a country where membership of the EU, uh, the European Union, is, is obviously a very hot political potato and uh, the choice was made to to start the process of Britain leaving the European Union. So yes, trade is highly politicized because there are not only winners from trade, uh, from firms in the export markets, and unambiguously consumers tend to benefit from trade, but obviously industries that are in import competing sectors obviously have an interest in trying to maintain market share and will will lobby their local, state, and national representatives uh, about trade. So, yeah, it's highly politicized.
0: Keith Tad, to your members, uh, businesses and, and, and farmers in Ohio, do they ever follow this discussion of free trade versus fair trade? Do they hear the terminology fair trade and, and, and how do they process that in terms of looking at it as, as, a, way, as a way or means to do business? You know, I, you know, from
2: an agriculture standpoint, every time we have a, a free trade agreement, ag wins. I mean, we just, we grow food better than anybody. We're, in the, that. We're, we're pretty good at it. And so we, we are definitely uh, on the top of this. So from a farmer standpoint, it's, you, you see a, a free trade agreement, you automatically think that's positive. That's something that, that we are absolutely for. So we're not in the manufacturing business. We don't uh, you know understand that as, as, as well as, as some would. And that's why I've enjoyed traveling around with, with Keith, because there was this general assumption, I think, that you know, ag wins, but uh, in, in, with the world of manufacturing, you know, if we have a free trade agreement, that, that just opens the door for, for jobs to leave. And I think this whole thing is much more complicated than that simplistic view of, of trade agreements.
1: And I, and I think that our members will look at those being two sides of the same coin, really. Fair trade, everybody understands fair trade. Surely we want to have a fair deal where the United States and Ohio benefits as uh, you know, great or better than, what uh, our trading partners would benefit from a free trade standpoint, I mean if you look at it just very simply, free trade means that uh, you know there are less restrictions uh, when you deal with the trading partners than there would be if you didn't have these agreements in place
2: but but I would also add though, you know fair trade to me says you know is over time, you should refresh trade agreements, and I think our members would absolutely be for a refresh of of the nafta agreement it is it is relatively old, and yeah. I think I mean, if you think about it, we didn't even have cell phones back when this thing was was uh, was developed, and so to to update that, I think it's fair. It's a fair.
1: Yeah, it's 23 years old. And I think we understand the need to update the deal as
3: well. Yeah, and I would agree with that. Uh, though it's it's fair to say that when the Trans-Pacific Partnership was signed, remember that uh, three of the key members of the Trans-Pacific Partnership are Canada, the U.S., and Mexico, all members of NAFTA. And if you look down the protocol, if you look down all the chapters that were signed in the Trans-Pacific Partnership, uh, many of these have been included in the protocol for the renegotiation of NAFTA. So it strikes me as absurd to have spent eight years uh, working on an agreement, uh, TPP, only to come back to work on exactly the same issues to improve uh, the workings of NAFTA, uh, particularly with respect to intellectual property rights, state-owned enterprises, labor, the environment investment, investor dispute settlement mechanisms, et cetera. I mean, my problem with where the current administration is right now is that they're taking a very, they tend to see trade as a zero-sum game, that there's a winner and there's a loser, whereas, in fact, economic economists would tell you that there are mutual gains. It's a, it's a positive-sum game. There are, there, are, there are winners in both, both sets of partners or groups of partners, and obviously there are some losers. And I think the political debate about trade should be much more focused on not using trade as a weapon uh, or protectionism as a weapon to somehow help uh, industries or workers that are affected by international trade, but to figure out other ways of resolving the, the, the pain that the globalization has caused certain groups of workers in certain industries in the last 20 to 30 years, which predates NAFTA, of course.
0: So none of you are saying NAFTA is perfect, but it's got some pieces that need preserved. Well, we're going to talk more about how well NAFTA has worked what some potential potential changes might be and what some outcomes might be if, by chance, we were to simply walk away from that trade deal. We're talking NAFTA with Tad Nicholson, Ian Sheldon, and Keith Lake. We'll be back right after this.
1: My country don't mess around. She loves trade for show, and this I really do know.
0: Yeah, i got to admit, that's going to go down as one of my all-time favorite bumpers we found for a show, but uh, stole that one off of YouTube. I saw you guys got a little bit of a kick out of that. We're talking NAFTA and international trade. Our guests in the studio, Tad Nicholson, Executive Director of the Ohio Corn and Wheat Growers Association, Ian Sheldon, Professor and Anderson's Chair of Agricultural Marketing, Trade, and Policy at Ohio State University, And Keith Lake is Vice President of Government Affairs for the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. Keith, we've been talking about trade and NAFTA in particular and kind of picturing it through the view of what Ohioans are able to sell overseas. Trade is a two-way street. Are we benefiting from trade with other nations on the import side of things too?
1: Yeah, and I think one of the, the easiest ways to look at that is simply the fact that when you have these uh, this agreement, this NAFTA agreement, means that virtually all of North America trade is tariff-free. So that means that the cost of the goods and services that are purchased here in Ohio, not only by Ohio consumers who will then save on the prices that they pay, and, and it's a pocketbook issue, but also for uh, businesses who are purchasing uh, inputs and in other um, uh, products and services that will go into the production of something else, uh, they're, they're purchasing those at lower prices. And so it helps with their ability to make their prices more available, or excuse me, more um, affordable for consumers.
0: Dan, I know you've seen multiple examples of, of how NAFTA has paid off so far for Ohio farmers. You want to tell me one or two of them?
2: Well, you know, it's uh, it's difficult to talk to with, with a local farmer and talk about n- NAFTA because it's so far from their 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 fields and their in their actual farm to, for them to feel it. So. I think the best example I can give today is, you know, right here, first of all, commodities are, we think exporting corn anywhere in the, in the country is a good thing for an Ohio farmer. It could be shipped out of Nebraska or shipped out of Iowa, and that, that's okay. It's still, it's a fungible commodity, and it benefits us here in, in Ohio. But there is an example, though, that I'd like to give you that, that uh, is, is primary to, to an Ohio farmer, and that's the, uh, the Marion Poet ethanol plant that's being doubled in size. Now, ethanol... Uh, is exported uh you know around the world uh, but it's a it's a newer product that's sort of trying to to build this world market out there. One of the largest uh, opportunities for uh, ethanol exports is is mexico they're going through an energy revolution down there where they've opened up competition for the first time ever in the fuel market down there, and so not only will they have various fuel companies come, but they for the first time ever will allow ten percent ethanol in their their fuel just like we do in the United States. And that is really the, uh, you know, there's, it can't be the only reason, but it is a primary reason why POET chose to double the size of that plant in Marion. So if you're a farmer in, in that area and you enjoy that market, it just, it just doubled in size, and it was all because of, of, uh, of exports. It, it wasn't because of a domestic uh, pressure. This is external pressure. So right here in Ohio, we feel it uh, every day when we, when we market corn.
0: I said at the top of the show this wasn't a fair debate or intended to be a debate over NAFTA. Everybody around this table, the Ohio Farm Bureau as an organization, and, and me as their spokesperson, we think NAFTA's a good deal. So, Ian, earlier you said that the politicians would be better off if they listened to the economists, and uh, I'm not going to argue with you, but let's get to where President Trump is on this. What is his argument against NAFTA. Now we we don't know exactly what he wants to do, but he's threatened to completely walk away. How do you read that? Is is it strictly trying to keep people believing that jobs will flow back in if if we get out of NAFTA?
3: Well, I think uh, President Trump and and actually his his major trade negotiator, um, Lighthizer, who's the you know the the. the United States trade representative, and also happens to be
0: an Ohioan. Yeah, and
3: he was also, if I understand correctly, was a uh, um, he litigated many trade cases in 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 particularly in the steel industry to do with anti dumping cases. So I think, you know, as an economist, I struggle to find an argument, a logical argument, as an economist, as to why this administration would seek to pull back from TPP, from NAFTA, and maybe even take a much uh, more interesting position in the WTO but my sense is is that the administration believes takes a very bilateral view of trade agreements it's about cutting a deal with an individual country as opposed to a group of countries and it sees it as a as, a, as I said earlier as a zero-sum game that there are there are only there are winners and there are, are losers uh, without understanding that most trade agreements are about reciprocal exchange of Of you know, if I have some market access to your market, you can have some market access to my market. There are mutual benefits to be made. And I think one of the things that's driving um, the administration on NAFTA is uh, they don't like the dispute settlement mechanism that was set up um, originally through the Canadian U.S. free trade agreement that was signed in the late 1980s. And more importantly, outside of NAFTA, it's very clear that uh, Lightheiser, Robert Lightheiser, does not like the dispute settlement resolution mechanism in the WTO, which he thinks is stacked against the U.S., whereas, in fact, it's become much more neutral. Um, the U.S. used to be able to, in some sense, bully uh, trading members, partners.
0: Just a quick moment here uh, before we have to go to break. So if the president doesn't like it, I know you're not a lawyer, but— can we even just, can we just walk away from it? Can the president just simply walk away from NAFTA?
3: Well, again, I'm not a trade lawyer, but my understanding is that the, that the president can set in motion uh, leaving NAFTA, although I believe it would actually be Congress that has the final word in terms of a vote. Remember, it's an international agreement that was agreed on and signed through Congress in the mid-1990s.
0: So if we assume that just walking away from NAFTA, regardless of the legalities, is the worst case, we're going to be back in just a couple of moments to talk with representatives of the agricultural, business, and educational communities about what's being done to make sure the worst case doesn't happen. We'll be back to talk more about free trade, NAFTA, President Trump's views, and what's good for Ohio when we continue. Hey, Charity, ain't nothing in this world for free. Know how we can both get paid, just talk about fair trade, yeah. Fair trade. Welcome back to Town Hall Ohio. We have a panel representing uh, education, the business community, and the farm community in Ohio. We're talking about the North American Free Trade Agreement, the president's threat to potentially walk away from it. Or possibly change it up, helping us understand what that means to the Buckeye State, Ian Sheldon of Ohio State University, Tad Nicholson of the Ohio Corn and Wheat Growers Association, Keith Lake of the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. So worst case, the president says we're going to walk away, but there might be some other options. Keith, as, as you and, and, and your colleagues at the Chamber look at it, what might be an alternative to just simply walking away from the trade deal?
1: Well, the president has offered a couple of alternatives. I mean, we, generally speaking, uh, we don't think walking away from the trade deal is a good idea. It undermines confidence about the business environment that uh, would support long-term investment, economic growth and job creation, and, and really the stability that uh, the market requires. Um, and we think that uh, the president has, has pr- proposed some what we would call poison pills that essentially would have the same effect of, of creating instability and uncertainty in the marketplace. Uh, He he has suggested perhaps that uh, in lieu of walking away entirely that we put a sunset clause on the agreement that it would expire after five years or that we uh, tinker with the requirements regarding the rules of origin, all of which would be disruptive to the supply chain uh, and have a negative impact on our trade environment.
0: Yeah, I'm not a businessman, but I I think savvy enough to know that if I don't know what the rules of the game are going to be five or ten years from now, I'm... I'm not going to make too many major decisions. Tad, as, as the farm community looks at this, uh, holding out hope that you might, well, absolutely do no harm to agriculture. But aside from that, um, holding out hopes that there might be some alternatives other than just completely walking away.
2: Yeah, well, we have to because, uh, you know, th- there's all hands on deck right now on this. Agriculture doesn't agree on uh, on everything, but on this one, we are in lockstep. I mean, it is everybody understanding things would be bad for the united states farmer if we pulled out of nafta there's a general assumption and it's been verbalized really from the administration that you know we we're so good at uh, at producing low-cost food mexico is going to need us whether we have an agreement or not with them and that is just not the case in fact they're already working with south america to try to f- formulate their own plan b what if we, we do pull this out? What if, you know, we, we eliminate uh, NAFTA? W- what's their next options? Do they have other options? Right now they don't even go, they don't even shop around because it's so inexpensive for them to buy from the United States. If we drop NAFTA, they could easily look to uh, Brazil uh, to bring in their soybeans, their, ex- their, uh, their beef, their, their, uh, um, their pork, their corn. Uh, they, can, they can easily look to some of those other countries. And the, right now they're testing it out with some loads Uh, while we're still under NAFTA, they're already buying some loads, some small loads, from other countries just to try it out.
0: So farmers and business people are leaning into the president saying, don't hurt us. Ian, if this had been a fair show, who would I have brought in here from the other side of the issue? Who are some of the interests or what are some of the interests that are telling the president that, you know, NAFTA needs reworked?
3: Well, I guess... um you know, there are there are many out there, particularly in the older parts of the manufacturing sector, who've been under pressure long before NAFTA was negotiated. If you go back to the 1970s, you know we started to see the hollowing out, if you like, of the U.S. manufacturing sector and fewer people employed in manufacturing and. You know, I think it's it's very hard to figure out precisely what's affected the decline in jobs in, in manufacturing in, in the last 20, 30 years. It's not just NAFTA. I th- personally, I believe the, the China import shock has had much greater effect on job loss in specific sectors. I mean, that was a huge shock to both the American and the global economy, but also technological change. And I think if you were to have you know, a a union representative who's representing maybe workers who are less skilled than those who've maybe benefited from globalization and free trade, you'd have got a very different perspective. So, we're talking about folks who were in, you know, worked in the automobile sector, the steel industry, the textile industry, that, you know, these industries have been under significant competitive pressure um lo- long before nafta but but would many of the people in those industries would potentially blame nafta for, for some of the pressure they they faced in those industries even though the automobile industry is one of the you know, it's an industry that is part of a an important value chain here in in north america you can, we now talk about the north american automobile industry i mean just looking down through some numbers here that i would would quote back at you for for ohio um, the top export market, export sector to Canada is, for for Ohio is motor vehicle parts and motor vehicles. And then the top export market sector in industrial goods for for Mexico is motor vehicle parts. So this is a, a highly integrated sector. Uh, just a little story as an aside, after 9-11, Detroit-Windsor entry exit point into between US and Canada was shut down. Uh, the northern several automobile plants uh, in North America had to close down within about a week because there weren't enough parts to go around the sector. And the other thing is, uh, by having a competitive value chain here in North America, the automobile industry is able to compete much more successfully globally.
0: We'll be back to talk more about free trade, NAFTA, and the efforts to keep it in place with Keith Lake from the Ohio Chamber of Commerce, Ian Sheldon from Ohio State, Tad Nicholson with the Corn and Wheat Growers Association. We'll be back in a moment. They just wanna make some trades. In in yes, you can indeed find songs about just about everything if you go out on that interweb and look around. We're talking NAFTA today with Keith Lake from the Ohio Chamber, Ian Sheldon of Ohio State, Tad Nicholson with the Ohio Corn and Wheat Growers Association. I I mentioned at the top of the show, and, and, and Keith and Tad, if you want to weigh in here, that's fine. If you don't, I understand. But I'm going to throw this out on the table. I mentioned at the top that there's the potential for NAFTA, and if the president walks away or changes it dramatically, to hurt a lot of the people that are at least seen as the ones that put him in office. The business community, rural America. How do your corn grower and wheat grower members, farmers in general, Tad, kind of walk through that equation? Well, that's a fair question, Joe. Uh, no doubt there was a, a large
2: amount of support in rural America for, for Trump as uh, as president. We knew that uh, this this guy was going to negotiate things a little differently than, than other presidents that maybe we've been used to. So, you know, at the beginning of this when he was, you know, he pulled us out of TPP right away as one of the first moves he made. Uh, that was that was sort of watched with a little bit of uh, you kind of give them a, farmers are cringing. Farmers I'll are say it cringing for you. a little bit on that one, saying, "Okay, we trust you. Where, where are we going with this?" And and so as we've gone into NAFTA, uh, with how close we are with the with Mexico, especially, but Canada as well, you know the the idea is uh, allow him to do his thing. If he's a great negotiator, then allow him to do that. Um, but it got to a point where if you see the Farmers got vocal, uh, and that was when, when we really saw things going to a point where uh, some of these poison pills that we talk about were getting thrown out there, and that's that's just uh, you know some non-negotiating uh, you know uh, issues with some of these other countries. It became apparent it was going to be very difficult for us to do no harm to agriculture, and that was the promise that was made right up front. We were going to get this renegotiated and do no harm to agriculture. It's going to be very difficult. That's when you saw farmers become very vocal across the board. Was it just corn and wheat farmers? It was all the the uh, livestock farmers, grain commodities, whatever.
0: Keith, is it maybe a, a similar in the business community, uh, a mixed reaction? You, you've got a president that's uh, making many changes that seem to be business-friendly, but then on the other side, you've got something like NAFTA. Do your members have to kind of walk through this uh, equation of... Um, weighing good against bad as well?
1: I think that's exactly right, Joe. I mean, there have been a number of things that this president has done, uh, particularly in, in helping alleviate some of the regulatory burden. And then certainly we saw some major uh, corporate tax reform that was just passed at the tail end of last year that I think a lot of our members view as extremely positive and will hopefully unleash some, some capital and, and grow the economy here. Um, and frankly, we're still optimistic that uh, at the end of the day on NAFTA, uh, the president's not going to walk away from the deal and we are going to, uh, remain, um, you know, having these good working relationships with Canada and Mexico.
0: Ian, you had mentioned that uh, Mr. Lighthizer, the U.S. Trade Representative, uh, is is in the president's ear. Do you know much about what other cabinet officers are doing? Is the is the Secretary of Commerce uh, giving countering counsel? We we know that Secretary Purdue from Agriculture has, has has stood up quite a bit.
3: Uh, not really. Um, I think Lighthizer's running the show, as, as much as I can tell, uh, with his position on, um, as I said, on the dis- dispute settlement uh, process seems to be the thing that really concerns him, and especially within the WTO. But coming back to the what, what um, Keith and Tad were suggesting, I think there's something else that you need to think about. That uh, International trade has probably helped consumers as much as anything here in the U.S., and uh, Colleagues of mine at Columbia University have established that, in fact, it's consumers at the lower end of the income distribution who tend to benefit the most from from lower prices due to free trade. And I suspect many of those folks also voted for Trump. And I, I'm not convinced that he's really thought through all the unintended consequences of of, of 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 trying to bring jobs back to the U.S. That it may actually have. An, uh, an unfortunate negative effect on poor income consumers who get, you know, their electrical products from places like Walmart. And just think about fruit and vegetables. We, Im- we import a huge amount of low-priced, high-quality fruit and vegetables from Mexico. And I think if, if NAFTA breaks up, we will see an increase in prices in, in, in the supermarkets that w- would hurt low income consumers where food's an important part of their budget.
0: We are going to continue talking about the North American Free Trade Agreement and some of the ramifications of walking away or significantly changing it. Uh, Our guest helping us tell that story today, Tad Nicholson is the Executive Director of the Ohio Corn and Wheat Growers Association. You just heard from Ian Sheldon, he's a professor and Anderson's Chair of Agricultural Marketing, Trade and Policy at The Ohio State University. Keith Lake is Vice President of Government Affairs with the Ohio Chamber of Commerce. If we're convincing you, or maybe you were already convinced, that staying in NAFTA or at least keeping many of its components in place are a good idea, we're going to chat with these three about what you, as a listener to Town Hall Ohio and as a voter in America, can do about it. We'll be back to talk about that next on Town Hall Ohio.
1: around and everything feels right as I'm standing on the borderline with you
0: Welcome back to Town Hall, Ohio, with Keith Lake from the Ohio Chamber of Commerce, Tad Nicholson from the Corn and Wheat Growers Association, and Dr. Ian Sheldon from Ohio State, where he works in trade policy in the College of Food, Agricultural, and Environmental Sciences. Keith, Tad, uh, since you guys are advocates and, and work for uh, advocacy organizations, I'm, I'm going to start this question with the two of you. Are there efforts in place? We we I guess we don't really know the answer, but we assume Congress has to be in part has be has to be a part of any major uh, change in nafta or walking away from it so are you guys already ahead of the game working with congress keith to say you know the president could make a really bad decision here
1: absolutely uh, you know, the, the president and i don't know all the technical details of of what has to happen for Ohio, for uh, um, the united states to exit the nafta agreement officially but I don't believe the president can unilaterally withdraw us. There still is a role for Congress, and so there's still an opportunity for Congress to um, convince the president that that would not be in the nation's best interest. And so we have reached out uh, with uh, two members of the congressional delegation here in Ohio to express uh, our concerns about uh, uh, the direction that the administration sometimes appears to be heading. Uh, Senator Portman in particular, as a former US trade representative, is Particularly familiar with the importance of trade to not only Ohio but to, to our country, and so there's there are certainly opportunities to continue to because uh, however long this process takes, it's it's not going to happen tomorrow. So there's still opportunity for uh, folks in Congress to encourage the president to take a different course.
0: Farmers talking to their Congress people.
2: Yeah, it's uh, the mantra now is uh, loud and clear and far and wide. That's how uh, we're going about this one. It's tell everybody that has any influence at all over this decision that uh, agriculture needs NAFTA to stay in place. And it's anywhere from uh, going to our congressmen and, and our senators, directly to the, to the White House uh, with this message, but also you know utilizing our own governors uh, across the uh, farm states to, to send letters in to say, look, as, as a group of states here, uh, this is very important to us in our economy. So remember, it's not just a farm issue. It's not even just a, uh, a business issue. This whole thing goes, there are ripple effects of trade that go throughout the economy, and everybody gets touched by this. It's not, it's not just ours.
0: So, Ian, I know that the, the three of you and, and Adam Sharp from Ohio Farm Bureau, in one instance, uh, you went into some newspapers and sat down with their editorial boards. And uh, how'd that go? Did, uh, did, did you sell the message?
3: I think so. I mean, we had uh, an editorial in the Columbus Dispatch, <coughs> one in the Akron Beacon Journal, and <coughs> excuse me. My sense was that the particular at the Columbus Dispatch, maybe the um, the editorial board hadn't never really thought about the extent to which agriculture was so highly integrated into the uh, North American economy, and maybe maybe as well when we spoke to the editor of the Akron Beacon Journal, especially considering the location of the Akron Beacon Journal.
0: So. The idea of going into this editorial board was to get this information not necessarily in the hands of the editorial board, but the people who read the Columbus Dispatch and, and, and the Akron Beacon Journal. Keith, um, how important is it that if folks agree with our view that NAFTA is important and should be protected, how important is it that we get the general public to pay close attention to this?
1: I think it is important, but I also think we need to be realistic. I mean, this is, we have just spent however much time we have spent talking about this, and, and uh, we have only scratched the surface. It is really a in the weeds kind of issue that is perhaps difficult for um, everybody to really get their hands around how it might impact them directly. But there is certainly a role for everybody because, as, as Ian has, has indicated, uh, when you have the integrated supply chains that we have here, um, that leads to lower costs of products and services that every consumer in Ohio is purchasing on a regular basis. Uh, and if we lose uh, that free trade, um, that tariff-free trade, uh, we're going to lose some of that same competitiveness, and undoubtedly it's going to result in higher prices that all of us are going to pay.
0: In uh, 30 seconds here, if someone who is is like me and completely ignorant about the importance of international trade. You got a website or a book or something you'd point them towards to kind of start to grasp it? Uh, At <clears throat> trade one, International Trade 101?
3: Well, I, that's a tough one. And I guess uh, ha, probably go Paul, read Paul Krugman's best-selling international economics textbook, the first chapter, would probably give you the, uh, the best answer to that question. I mean, he's a New York Times editorial writer now, but he's also a Nobel Prize-winning economist. And I... That's where I'd first go and look.
0: All right, well, gentlemen, best of luck in getting your message out in Washington and across Ohio, and uh, our guests explaining for us today why NAFTA is important in the Buckeye State. Keith Lake of the Ohio Chamber of Commerce, Ian Sheldon of Ohio State, Tad Nicholson of the Ohio Corn and Wheat Growers, thanks for joining us. For all of you joining us on Town Hall Ohio. Town Hall Ohio is a project of the Ohio Farm Bureau Federation and is brought to you with the support of Nationwide. Nationwide is on your side. Join us again next week for Town Hall Ohio.